0: Ceridian creates innovative technology that organizations around the world use to attract, develop, manage, and pay their people. Its award-winning Dayforce solution helps customers manage compliance, make better decisions, build great teams, and drive engagement with their employees. Ceridian has solutions for organizations of all sizes. Ceridian makes work life better. For more information, visit www.ceridian.com. Good morning and welcome to HR Examiner's Big Ideas Show. I'm your host, John Sumser, and today we're going to be talking with Charu Malhotra from Ferraro. Charu, how are you this morning?
1: Good morning. I'm very well. Very uh, excited to be talking to you and, and uh, sharing a bit more about HR tech.
0: That's, that's great. So would you take a moment to introduce yourself or uh, tell us what you do and how you got to this point in your career?
1: Absolutely. So I'm, I'm Charu Malhotra. I uh, am based um, between Luxembourg and London. Um, I'm a British person born in Birmingham, so very proud of being from Birmingham. And I'm at Ferrero. I've uh, been here about a year and a half, looking at how we transform our employer branding. So creating a, a new employer brand, looking at how we build a stronger digital footprint, and also localise um, into territories that we're not necessarily as strong at. How I got to this point, I've been really fortunate that I've worked with some amazing leaders who I've learned lots lot from, um, and I've worked in organizations like BP and Unilever and Primark, where I've built uh, new ecosystems for digital, created new employer brands, and also uh, moved into digital comms around social listening. So for me, I'm a recruiter through and through, really lucky to be working in that intersection between brands, communications and talent and uh, I'm really loving what I'm doing and and really excited to be talking about it in Amsterdam.
0: Fantastic. So what's the most important thing you're wrestling with these days?
1: Sure, so in my current position at Ferrero, we're really lucky and and, and very fortunate that we have some amazing brands that everyone has heard of. Uh, Kinder, Tic Tac, Nutella, just a few. Um, But we're an Italian organization that doesn't um, use its own corporate identity for very valid reasons, i.e. Fodero isn't a a known entity. So when you're trying to attract candidates across uh, countries where you're not necessarily as strong, uh, i.e. outside of Italy, outside of Germany, that corporate identity, that global employer brand becomes more and more important. So I'm sort of wrestling with or challenged with creating an employer brand that's cohesive and compelling, but stays true to that the very um strong values in Ferrero. ferrero you know, is seventy one years old, it's an Italian company with very strong humble values. and we we're sort of treading carefully in this sort of world of you know how do we talk about ourselves externally. So exciting times but times with lots of challenge.
0: so so is this a change from your other the other settings where you've done employment branding?
1: Um, It's the same type of role. So, um, the last three roles I've done at Unilever and Primark and BP, but last piece of Primark and Unilever, I've been tasked with working around creating a new employer brand, working um, with talent teams across the world to segment our employer brand and really build digital ecosystems, so social platforms, content, and so on. The difference at Ferrero is that um, they are an organization that, as I said, doesn't have a corporate identity. And again, this is very new to them. So, you know, it's a a different challenge. The same type of program, but the the good thing about employer branding is it's different in every business. So a lot of my role is around change management and around education versus the external. Um, Ferrero is a a marvelous organization that's built on an alignment culture. So very consensus led. So it's it's different, but the same. But I, I, uh, very confident that when we go to the market with a new employer brand, it will be immensely compelling because the amount of energy and work we're putting into it.
0: So, 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 employer branding is um, it's it's an interesting and still emerging, I think, um, arena. Um, and part of what happens in employment branding, I think, is that the employment brand is used to leverage external influence on the organization, and that, and that gets you to um, the role that inclusiveness plays in building a branding strategy. Would you talk about that a bit?
1: Yeah, sure. So I, I think um, what you said is is true, and in some ways that we're creating a, a problem statement for ourselves, I think organizations that get employer branding and perhaps looking at it in a really mature way understand that it's just as important and um you know, key to build a, a magnetic, uh, authentic employer brand for your employees internally as it is for your external uh, candidates, the, the external talent that we're trying to recruit. So I think that inclusivity piece is really key for both the internal audience and the external. Um, otherwise, you end up in a place that some of us will recognize that maybe listening or perhaps you've experienced this yourself where. You're selling um, a, a wonderful story to the outside world and that candidate then joins the business and actually that's nothing like the reality he or she experiences. Um, and, and you have this sort of a rejection of uh, the person either leaving very quickly or becoming immensely disenfranchised with their um, choice. So I think the inclusiveness of good employer branding is looking at it internally and externally Um, For me, I think it's um, really key, really important that we think about how we're using that employer brand internally. Why aren't we working more closely with our internal communications functions and and colleagues so that the look um, and the feel and the messaging is not necessarily 100% the same, but certainly more aligned than it can be at the moment. Um, sure. It's a wonderful area, but I think it needs to mature a bit and work more closely with communications than it currently does. I, I
0: think I think you're probably right there. How big is
1: Ferraro? Um, we are um, huge in terms of We're, we're 60,000 60, employees worldwide, very global and uh, Italian owned, as I said. So it's a privately owned company.
0: Good, good. So 60,000 people under one employment brand. That seems like there'd be a lot of variance underneath the brand. How do, how do you keep a message clean that describes what it's like to work inside of a tribe of 60,000 people without getting so bland that it doesn't make any sense or so specific that it doesn't match up to the reality? How do you balance that? Yeah,
1: and it's work in progress, John. So at the moment where, um, Looking at how do we go to the market from a creative perspective at a global level, I'll be almost giving you an example of more of what I did at Unilever versus what we're doing here because it's very early days with the work that we're doing. But but I think it's really it's remembering that when you're launching an employer brand, you have to look at it from a segment perspective. Um, Often people create a a generic employer brand, and because it's trying to talk to everybody, ends up talking to nobody. So for me, what's really Critical and, and what I learned at Unilever was really that segmentation. It was taking what was real in Turkey, what was real for a candidate and talent in India, and missing that with the content that we were looking at producing. Looking at you know missing that in the content on the career sites and 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 on and on and on. But I think you know trying to have a global employer brand with no um, messaging framework that's segmented by talking to different countries, different types of people, different functional areas um is a recipe where as you said you just end up with a lot of blandness and a lot of noise versus um actually hard emotional content in some ways that candidates can relate to so i think the the days of having a a global employer brand with no um, granularity underneath that um are you know hopefully over because it just doesn't talk to it doesn't talk to anybody because you're talking to everybody
0: Got it. So you're going to be speaking at HR Tech World Congress in Amsterdam in October. Um, tell me about what you're going to be talking about.
1: Yeah, so I'm really excited to be going to Amsterdam. I was there last year in the audience listening to some fantastic speakers and learned lots. So you know, looking forward to it it's a good couple of days. I'm going to be talking very much around what I've learned at the businesses I've uh, operated in, employer branding. What's been the secret sauce that I've learned around, you know, how do you manage change um, in an organization, in organizations to create an employer brand? What I've learned along the way um, in terms of creating alignment, what I've learned from uh, working in different businesses that mean that you can move quickly um, to get to, to decision making. So it's around change management and the secret sauce of creating an employer brand, using examples from organizations that I've worked with, including Ferrero, um, and, you know, for me, I, I, the hope is that the, the 15 minutes that I speak, people take away some good, actionable insight uh, for their own roles uh, or for their own functions.
0: So, so do you have, you've been doing this a long time now, can you talk a little bit about how employer brand trickles down to the bottom line? Right. That's, a, that's, that's yeah, a hard connection for most people to
1: make. It is. And I, I think one of the, the areas that we have to remember in, in, in the world of recruitment and the world of um, employer branding and talent is that unlike our consumer marketing colleagues, where they're not necessarily as discerning as, you know, if I'm trying to sell Coke, I'm trying to sell Coke to most people, um, not necessarily dentists, but I'm trying to sell it to an audience of of <laughs> uh, a <bigger> in <laughs> marketing and employer branding I'm I'm a lot more discerning also I should be and therefore you know it comes back to that whole segmentation it's all um, you know I'm going to be ending up entertaining and talking to a lot of people the majority of which I will end up not necessarily hiring um, and so I think there's something around A the employer brand on the, on the bottom line is you know, how do you reject those people that are you know, certainly in the brands that I've been lucky enough to work with are often consumers of your product so how do you reject people with empathy and with um elegance and courtesy so that they're not disenfranchised to say okay I didn't get a job with that person and I'm never going to go and buy that um chocolate bar from them or that uh, tub of ice cream uh, the impact on the bottom line is that it's a, it's probably one for many a case study and a, a much longer conversation, and I think it's one that a lot of people are arguing with. But to me, it boils down to: you know, would you not necessarily see an impact with the, being rejected from an employer, rejected from a brand, and you have a, a multiple of choices to go and buy a chocolate bar from 15 different brands? are you not just from a compassionate perspective and an empathy perspective going to choose the company that didn't reject you? So it's almost that common sense. Yes, you can boil it down to, you know, know, dollars and euros. But if you're not rejecting the candidate in a way that's, you know, courteous, they are going to take uh, a sense of what you're like as a business. So, um, you know, I can't answer the question about bottom line, but I do think that we are in a a very different space. We've got, you know, lots to learn from our marketing and marketing, customer service colleagues who do tend to talk to a lot more people and reject uh, a lot more too. Um, And we have to be very mindful of that. And there's lots of sort of uh, examples from the Candies. Every year it gets stronger and stronger Um, from from the Virgin Media case study, which I know is a bit old now. And, you know, I I do vent a bit about us as an industry talking about that one case study and nauseum. There are there are sort of elements where it clearly is seen as where it impacts the bottom line. But for me, you know, if I'm not answering the question, it's because also from a personal perspective, I feel strongly without even a bottom line, it's about being human. It's about showing empathy. It's about being realistic to the fact that however millions of people are hitting your career site and your African tracking system, if we actually do things in a courteous way, we are not just representing ourselves as a brand in a better place, but actually behaving with a lot more uh, empathy. And what's wrong with that? Surely that's something that we should all aim for.
0: Well, well, so it's a, it's an interesting question, and I'm going to press you a little bit on this. So there's sixty thousand employees in the company, and let's—I—I I, I don't know what your actual figures are, but I'm going to guess you hire twenty percent. Um, of those people every year, so that's 12,000 open jobs. Let's say you get a thousand um, um, resumes for each one of those jobs, which seems hyper unlikely. That gets you into the range of a million applications per year. Now, now the brands that you that you have sell hundreds of millions of candy bars every year, right? Right. And so if you if you irritate every single one of the nine hundred and ninety thousand people that you don't hire and they stop buying your candy bars, which seems unlikely to me, the net to the uh, bottom line is a fraction of a percentage point. Um, And so and so I, I get confused a lot when I hear that this argument that that one must uh, give a gracious experience to everybody who applies or they'll abandon the brand that that just doesn't make economic sense to me so so maybe you could talk a little bit about that
1: sure and I, and I won't use Ferrero as an example because that it's not this isn't the case for it's not something um, that is relevant in this case because I'm, I'm talking about it in, in a wider space but I work for a, a retail organization um, massive in europe primark and we did look at how um customer experience and the candidate experience i.e how we were rejecting people and how we weren't getting back to people or we were impacted how particular stores and particular regions performed um there's also um a a lot of research done by a company called chemistry around actually if you increase your customer experience and your candidate experience the football and the ability to actually retain uh retail staff is higher, so um your point around i think the chocolate bar example um not make economic economic sense i don't want to, i don't don't i can't talk to that because i i do think it makes um sense from a branding perspective that if your uh partner daughter family friends next door neighbor um, Tells you that I've had I've had a really bad experience. I applied for a job or didn't get anything back. Or worse still, I went for thirteen interviews, didn't even get a response back. You are going to have a negative impression of that of that brand. Now, whether it's going to impact your your choice when you next go to the supermarket and say, Will I buy this ice cream or another? Maybe not the first time, but if you hear that amplified ten times from ten different people, it's got, you know I think it will start seeping into your ability to want to go and work for them, but more importantly, buy from them. Um, certainly, that's my experience. And then again, we haven't even talked about from a social media perspective. It's not just re- it's not just your neighbor, your friends, your family talking. It's times ten. So it's that well, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, more-
0: yeah. So so so, but this is this is good because because here's I, I don't know about Europe. I really don't know about Europe at all. In the United States, people don't talk to each other about their job hunting experiences. Um, Unemployment is a, um, uh, unemployment and job transitions are not the stuff of dinner table conversation. It's a very taboo topic in the United States. So so to me, the notion that there is a word of mouth impact for bad uh, candidate experience is very hypothetical i've looked very hard and i have not seen a study that proves that there's a word of mouth impact um uh, people don't talk about this and so so i i wonder and and again maybe it's different in europe if there actually is a um an impact on the consumer brand in the way that you describe and then if there's an impact on the consumer brand that's great but most companies are not consumer brands and so that so this takes the employment branding uh, question into a very tight little box of people who serve consumers
1: yeah i'm just going to unpack that i think you mentioned three different things there so i think the first one is i'm not going to contradict you know your experience America, because clearly you're you're American or Canadian and, and you're living there, and I'm not. But I have recruited extensively in America in all of my roles, including this one. And I you know, certainly couldn't say to you if it's discussed at a dinner table or not, but I do know that Glassdoor, I do know that social media is just as prevalent in, in America as it is in, in Europe. And if I'm going to start a job search, in most cases, one Glassdoor is one of the top three things that will come up in my search engine. So you know perhaps you know not perhaps you're more often than not right that you're saying people don't talk about a dinner table, and that's the case here you're talking you'll talk about it with your friends, I'm not going to sit there and talk about it over dinner with everyone and that that's not what I'm saying, but I don't believe that America is so different to the rest of the world that it doesn't look at reviewers, it doesn't look at trends, it doesn't talk to it you know you people don't talk to their friends around you know, there'll be certain companies that have a bad rep people don't want to work for. Um And, you know, if you're, you know, working in a city, if you're working in a particular industry, you know that those companies are, you don't necessarily need to talk about those at table, but you'll have heard about them from trends. Um, you'll have heard about them from the trends on Glassdoor. You'll have heard about them from Indeed. So I'm certainly not refuting your experience of being American. That's, that I wouldn't be that dis- disrespectful, but what I am saying is, I think we need to think wider because word of mouth isn't just people talking to people. It's thinking about, you know, what's on, you know, what's what's digitally available. And there's so much more now and has been for the last 11, 12 years. I think the second point um, you made around, sorry, I'm just trying to think now, is employer branding only right for consumer uh, organisations. I don't think that's true either. I'm... I'm lucky and and I've loved working for consumer brands. But if I was going to work for a consultancy next or working for a a tech company next or, you know, retail, as I said, certainly employer branding would be just as important. Simply because, to your point, candidates and people um, and employment rates aren't as high. The competitiveness um, for companies to be going out and talking about themselves and making themselves attractive to people who are happy doing what they're doing or not necessarily looking is just as important and it's becoming more and more important. Um, I think, you know, it's not just, it's not a consumer, you know, it's not consumer-led companies doing for branding, everyone else it's not important. I think it's just as important, but it's important in different ways. Um, and I forgot the third point you were, you were saying, so I'll, I'll have to leave that. But, uh, those, but, but I think that's what I would respond to. I don't know what your, your comments are.
0: Uh, well, that's that, that's interesting. We could have a very a, a very good long conversation on this topic. I am I I'm not persuaded. Um, I I, no. I understand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's not, it, this is this is this is a longer term question for me. But the the connection between um, employment branding and candidate experience and company performance in the markets in various ways is sketchy to me. But, but let's let's get by that because I know you're really interested in empathy in the candidate experience as well. And so, and so tell me a little bit about, about your interest in empathy and how you go about doing that with a big brand, delivering empathy on an individual basis.
1: Yeah, so um, my, in, my interest is in empathy or treating people with respect because like, like most people, like I've not just worked in this area in recruitment, I've experienced looking for a role. And if you blend the looking for a job at some point, working in talent acquisition, and then on top of that, going to conferences um, for the last five, six, seven years where candidate experience has been on, if not every track, on most tracks, so it's a, a a word. Sorry, two words that have been talked about a lot. I've I've been a job hunter. I've worked in these type of roles, and I don't feel like we're actually getting any better. Talk, you know, we're talking a lot, but not necessarily seeing a lot of action. So when I think about empathy, and when I think about us being more human with it, with our <coughs> recruitment, that's why for me it's a it's, it's not just an interest, it's a passion. Um, it, it sort of um, merges itself with the fact that I'm also immensely interested in technology. It's something that I enjoy. I love learning about it. I love putting in new technology. It's something that um, working in talent acquisition and employer branding will, it's around you all the time and, and, and new tech is, is compelling and magnetic. but I for me, as myself, thinking about how do we treat the candidate in this and not lose sight of that candidate, that person. Um, that individual is really is really key and it's really hard because as you said earlier, the numbers that I'm talking to whether it's at Ferrero, or Unilever or Primark if you're working for a big business it doesn't necessarily need to be a big brand business but a big business and you're recruiting you're rejecting more people than you're hiring in most cases you're not it can be really easy to look at automation and technology as an excuse and as a barrier and I think that's where we need to be very mindful about when we're thinking about how do we look at automation more in our industry. And I'm really looking forward to seeing a lot more HR tech in Amsterdam and um, San Francisco. But at the same time, I think what we need to do as recruitment leaders um, is never lose sight of the fact that when people are looking for jobs, um, it's a very stressful time. When people are spending time talking to us that we courted and We've headhunted and we've um, entertained with our content. We owe it to them to treat them with respect and courtesy. And um, for me, good technology doesn't lose sight of that because the tech is how you apply it and how you use it and how mindful you are with it. So you know, it's, a, it's a real passion and it's something that I bang the drum of constantly because it's so important to me.
0: So so just very, very quickly, I I, I understand what you said but I'm puzzled about how you statistically deliver empathy right? empathy is is one's ability to understand the feelings and emotions of another right and that, that that's empathy so mm-hmm. I give you an application just exactly what information have I given you about my feelings that you can understand and respond to I, I, that's that's where
1: The concept falls apart a little bit today. Um, Well, I wasn't saying I was understanding about your feelings. I'm I'm saying that the process that most people are put through when they apply for a job on um, an ATS can lead to either um, a a very clinical process. So the the communications that you get back Mm -hmm. are very cold and not necessarily representative of the brand. Or if, if you're getting no communication, your application has gone into the black hole. Um, or if you have been invited for an interview you if you haven't had any preparation or any guidance if you're left in a reception waiting for half an hour if you're entertained into a interview room where the remnants of the previous candidate still there if the hiring manager walks in and it's pretty obvious that he's just looked at your cv or she spends her entire time on her phone distracted looking at emails for me it's how do you build an empathy is the first thing uh, you know, I learned when I moved in-house you know, 12 years ago is go through the process yourself. You know, And I encourage the, the, the kind of HR leaders and the business leaders I work with and every company I've worked with to actually you know, go and apply for a job on your career site. So for me, empathy isn't around, um, okay, I understand what you're feeling today, John. You know, What is your emotional mindset? It's looking at the process that we're putting um, individuals through. And every step of the way from the interview process to the type of content that we're sharing and how inclusive and diverse it is, communications on the ATS, to the hygiene factors. So, you know, a very small, minute example, which mean, may mean nothing to 90% of the people listening, or, but it meant a lot to me. So about 10 years ago, I went for an interview and a very large, massive global IT company. And I uh, signed in at reception. Um, and uh, it was a global company, so one would expect that you know not everyone was called John. And uh, when the receptionist uh, took my name to call the, the hiring manager that I was interviewing with, she said, "Chiru, that's a funny, no, that's an odd name." Now that stuck with me. So for me, it's around the hygiene factors. It's also you know the receptionist that's you know showing candidates in and signing them in is just as part of your candidate experience. It's just as part of actually making sure you're presenting a respectful, uh, compassionate, empathetic recruitment process. So I think it's, you know, to boil it down, it's looking at every, every single step in a really um, granular micro level and putting yourself in the shoes of that candidate. And that's not just recruiter's job, that's everyone's job. So does that help in terms of when I talk about empathy, that's what I mean.
0: That's great, that's great. Thank you so much. So so if, if we're, we're gonna wrap up here, um, is there something you want to be sure that a listener takes away from our conversation?
1: Yeah, I want to be sure that if you're in Amsterdam and go to HRD, you come and see me. So uh, as I'm Charu Mahatra, I'm on Twitter at CM underscore Charu. Um, but you know, come along and, and take away from this conversation that I don't have all the secrets, but I want to reveal some learnings that I've had across the way, and I want to share those with, with the audience. And uh, and I hope it's a a conversation after my um, talk that um, people wouldn't learn from in terms of I've had a lot of fun um, creating new employer brands and and I've got some lessons learned along the way and I want to share those. So the kind of takeaway is come and have a chat, come and listen to me when I'm in Amsterdam. Um, If you're not able to come to Amsterdam, still reach out to me on LinkedIn or on Twitter. Um, Let's start the conversation around how do we build empathy into employer branding and and why should we? Uh, And I love the challenge of these conversations. Let's show... John, next time we meet, there is some data around why it makes difference to bottom line. it. helped me create a case.
0: fantastic. It's really been fun. You've, you've, you've been amazing in this conversation. Thanks so much for taking the hard questions and and bouncing back from them. It's, it's been a good, good, good conversation. Thanks for doing Great. Thank this. Thank you, John. We've been talking with Charu Alhatra from Pereiro. Um, about employment branding. She's going to be speaking at uh, HR Tech World Congress in Amsterdam in October. If you get a chance, drop in and see her. Thanks so much for listening in today and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye now.